Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For me, I was not meant to take that role. I was taking up space that wasn't mine to take. When I stepped away from that, what was meant for me was there. And that was like such a big lesson. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is Certified Financial Planner. And I am so excited to have my guest today, my expert guest, Reagan Walsh. Hi, Reagan. Hi, Barbara. Thank you for joining me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is a blast. I'm just so excited for my listeners to get to meet you and to hear your story because you're such an inspiration. You are the author of, I like literally keep it at my desk, Heart Boss. I also have the little sticker on my laptop. Oh, I love it. I can't wait for you to share your story with our listeners. I think it's so inspirational and I think you're such an upbeat person and this will be a great way to introduce you to them. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited. And I wrote Heart Boss for the person who is feeling simultaneously underwhelmed with their lives and also overwhelmed, right? So you're in this moment where you're asking the question, is this it? Like I've created this life and is this it? And I don't think I want this life. So I'm excited to share some lessons and stories and hopefully help other people bypass mistakes that I've made in the past. And I think that happens to everyone at some point in their life, right? Where you like have this reality check where you're like, is this really what I wanted? Like, is this what I'm going for? Is this where I want to be? Totally. Whether it's in your jobs or your relationships or the activities you're volunteering for. Yeah. We overcommit and uh, we forget to check in with what it is that we actually want. And, and then we get to that place where we're underwhelmed with the life that we thought we wanted. And who has time for that? And you can always fix everything, right? And I say that also with like your personal finances, like it starts with one day where you decide you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck or you want to take control of your finances or you want to have more. It just takes that mind shift, I think, to make a decision and change it. A hundred percent. And as I mentioned in Heart Boss, you only have to sleep in the bed you made today, tonight. Tomorrow, you can buy a whole new bed. You can buy new sheets. You can burn the bed. You can do whatever you want. So you have the power to create the change that you're seeking. Yeah, 100%. I think that goes with a lot of things in life, but a a lot of people feel stuck. I think fear holds a lot of people back, right? It's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Like, okay, so maybe it's not everything I wanted, but I know what it is and it's comfortable and maybe I'll just stay here even if it's not exactly what I had desired. Yeah, fear can be a total B because it can hold us back from stepping into the life that we actually want. We fear like, what if it doesn't work out or what will 
people think of me. And here's a spoiler alert that I wish I would have learned, you know, way earlier in my life. No one's actually thinking about the choices we're making. Everybody else is so stuck in their head and their choices and what it is they're doing. No one cares what it is you're doing. So don't let that be part of your fear. Like what other people might think or say, just, oh, you could say that. (laughs) Just take the next step toward what it is you're looking to create. You know, no one cares. Yeah. You know, my sister one time told me no one is holding up the other decision next to you when you walk around in life and saying like, well, she should have done that. My sister is always like, once you make your decision, like that's it. No one knows that you had a choice or that there was another option. Like when you show up a place, they only know what you're bringing to the table. They don't know that like, oh, you could have chosen B, but you went with A. No one knows. It's only you that knows that. I love that. Yes. And most of the time when we have two choices, there isn't a right or a wrong. They're just different choices. I don't know if this is like the right way to think about it. The way I think about it is once I make the decision, if I get down that path and I decide that was not, you know, I made the decision with the most information I had at that moment. But as you go in time, you get more information and hindsight's 2020. But if I get to where that next spot is and it was not the right decision, then you just make a different decision to go a different way. Like you're not permanently down that path. Yeah. And that's what's so fun about life. You get to change your mind. I do it all the time. It drives my sister crazy. I get like one question a week these days where she makes a decision for me. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell us a bit. This is one of my favorite stories. Tell us a bit about One Week Walsh. Oh my gosh. So let me take you back to 2009. And there was a recession and I had recently been laid off. The first banking crisis, Reagan? Yeah, exactly. Now we're in another another one. (laughs) Let's use this to help all of you out there that are feeling anxious and nervous about the state of the economy. So I got laid off. I worked for this fun branding agency and, you know, the writing was on the wall. So I wasn't surprised, but at the time, I think I was around like my late twenties, maybe I was 30 years old and I did what any responsible person would do. Right. I started working my network within a few weeks. I landed this new gig at this really sexy digital agency who has since been sold to IBM that, you know, IBM purchased them up. This was like a gem here in Columbus where I live. And the office was, you know, super fun. Everyone was young. There were exposed brick walls. People brought their dogs to work. You know, there were candy jars, all the things that you love. And I could walk there from my condo. So this like felt really fun. So I started the job on a Monday and every day I kind of felt in my gut, like, is this how I'm going to spend my life? I'm not really excited about this work. And on Friday morning, I remember walking to work and I remember I was wearing these great boots and cute jeans and a blazer. And I was walking into work and I knew I was headed into a conference room. They called them pods because that's more trendy than conference room. And there's no windows and it's just a little room with two chairs. And I'm headed into this conference room to attend a four hour conference call, four hours, the type of call you just listen to, you don't participate in. So you're just going to sit for four hours in a dark room, windowless. In a dark little pod with my new colleague, my boss. And we're learning about women's hair care products, which if you can see me, right? Like, I don't know anything about women's hair care. I don't care about hair. Like I brush it, but that's like the best that I can do. So halfway through the call, there is a 10 minute break because that's how long the call is. And Barbara, I'm not kidding. I was on autopilot. I stood up from that pod. I walked to my new desk. I turned out the light. I packed my bag. And it was there that I saw my friend Michael walking by and he got me the job. And I said, Michael, I am so sorry. You're not going to get your referral bonus because I'm not staying here for six months. I'm out of here. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then I was about to head out the door and I was like, I should probably tell someone else other than Michael. So I walked back into the pod. 
I looked at my boss of 4.25 days and I said, I'm sorry, but I don't want to work here anymore. He hung up from the four hour call and he said, I am so jealous. I don't want to work here either. And I was like, well, heck yeah, I made the right decision. I was in this position in my life where I was single. I didn't have any other responsibilities other than to myself. And so I felt pretty confident in making this choice while risky during a recession that I would land on my feet. I walk out the door and I take the walk through the park to my condo. And it was in the park that there was a man dressed as a clown riding a unicycle. And it's like 1140 in the morning. Okay. And I thought to myself, if this guy can make that choice during a recession, then I can quit a job that I have no interest in, land on my feet. And that's exactly what I did. And Barbara, I think, you know, knowing that this future rich is all about empowering people to create wealth and take care of themselves. I think one of the reasons I had the, the power and the, the confidence to walk away from something that wasn't right is that early in my life, my parents taught me about financial security and how to take care of yourself. And I remember graduating from college and my first job was in New York City. I was taking a road trip out to New York to try to find an apartment. And before I left, my dad got a clipboard and a pencil and he said, based on your salary, you can afford to spend $625 a month on your rent. And I'm like, okay, I, I got this. And then we go to New York and they're like, okay, well, if you get this closet of a you know shoebox and you put your three roommates in it, each of you will spend three thousand dollars a month on this shitty apartment in New York. So in bunk beds. Yeah. In bunk beds, if you're lucky. Ended up in Hoboken, New Jersey, where I got the deal of spending thirteen hundred dollars. It was a two bedroom where the kitchen, you could sit in the kitchen, turn on the stove, wash the dishes, get something out of the refrigerator. You could also close the bathroom door. Like that is how small this place was. And it was over double what my dad told me I could spend, right? He also told me, you're a big girl now, you have to get an IRA and you have to max it out. At the time it was 2000. I don't know what it is now. Is it much higher? Yeah. Okay. So much higher. So, you know, I'm 40, I'm almost 46. So you got to max it out. I'm like, I don't have enough money to max out this IRA. And what am I going to do? One of my friends had this really foxy roommate and he was in the investment world and he came over and he helped me fill out the form. And our Barbara, because he was so adorable, like I didn't have the guts to say, oh, I can't afford to do the full 2000. So I kept my mouth shut. You're like, sign me up. I know. And I was like, okay, you just tell me what to do. You're so handsome. Maybe you'll ask me out on a date. He did. But I did max out the $2,000 for my IRA. You know, hindsight, we've talked about this before. You're like, what is that? It's not going to make or break you. You're already poor. I love that you say that. Like, I'm already not eating well. I'm already eating green beans and, you know, bagels. Your first job, usually like you're not going to be paid well. You don't know anything. You're just starting out. And yeah, I always say to people like you want to max everything out when you're young because you're already poor, most likely. I was living on the free food provided by Bloomberg and thank goodness they had free food. But my manager said to me at one point, you never buy lunch. And I was like, no, I can't afford lunch. And she's like, you need to eat. And I was like, yeah, I had a bowl of cereal, had an apple, I had, there's some free peanut butter. Um, I'm going to go scour the conference rooms after all the important people get fed lunch and don't eat it because why would they eat corporate food? I want corporate, like what conference room has leftover turkey sandwiches? Like, please I'll be there. Totally. And she, she was like, you have to eat. And I was like, I am eating, but like, I'm on a budget. I was also maxing out my 401k at the time, which was 
expensive. I mean, I remember being poor, but everybody was poor. Like nobody had any money. We would be like, is there free popcorn with the wine or peanuts? Yeah. If you go to the right happy hour. Yeah. There's free food. Totally. Even if they're like the spicy bar nuts. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't kill them. You're like, we'll take more spicy bar. No, we're not having another drink, but yes, more nuts. Please send the nuts. Oh my gosh. But that's true. I mean, those early decisions and it's never too late to start, right? But those early decisions never too late. Yeah. gave me the courage to leave a job that would have made me so miserable. And because I knew that that job wasn't aligned with my purpose and what it was I wanted in that chapter, I walked away and then I started professionally dating. And what I found was exactly what I needed. And I got to take all of my branding and marketing skills. I got to help bring this nonprofit camp for kids with serious illnesses to life here in Ohio. It's part of a larger network of camps that Paul Newman, the late actor, founded. And it was the greatest chapter of my life at that time, right? Because I got to just, I got to work at a farm. I was working out of a 150 year old barn. I was helping families get respite from the challenges of, of having a child with cancer or heart disease. And it was everything. And had I not had the courage to say no to that job after 4.25 days, which is how I earned the nickname One Week Walsh to wrap it in a bow, I never would have had that experience at Flying Horse Farms, right? For me, I was not meant to take that role. I was taking up space that wasn't mine to take. When I stepped away from that, what was meant for me was there. And that was like such a big lesson. That's a really great visual of like you're taking up space in something. And so because you're hugging this so tightly, what you maybe are meant to be or what you really want is over here, but like there's no space for it. There's no space for it. And how can you find it if you're just focused on this, right? Yeah, those days are over. Let's not do that. Don't take up space that's not meant for you, friends. And I think that's so important too, that the fact that you had always been saving from the beginning gave you some more financial autonomy that you maybe wouldn't have had when it would have been scarier because you did it in the recession, which is like feeling very similar to what we're seeing now. I mean, we're not technically in one now, but I mean, we're dealing with the banking crisis, well, mortgage crisis, but it turned into you know certain institutions having a big issue back then as well. Absolutely. I think that just confidence and you know what, I know how to save. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to bet on myself. And I didn't know how long it was going to take me to find a new gig. What I did in the in between is that I got a job that was so flexible working for a family business. I worked literally in a warehouse counting different parts for my family's heating and cooling business. And I was in the shipping and receiving department, like wearing, you know, the sweatpants essentially. And it was everything because then when I wanted to go interview or I wanted to go to a seminar or I wanted to do whatever I could do that. So finding a, a job that was flexible for me where I could have a little bit of income, but still find my next was a, an important piece of that puzzle. I also like that you took on income while you were looking for the job, the next job. That makes me happy. I know because I wanted to be able to play and also, you know, just take care of myself. I didn't want, I'm not going to pull money out of my retirement accounts. I, I knew not to do that, but so I wanted enough money to pay my bills and to still have fun. Um, but the flexibility to figure out what the heck it was I wanted to do. And, and I had just that. And what would you say for people who are listening, who are like identifying with this and maybe not happy with where they are? Like what type of questions do they be asking themselves to know whether maybe they're just having a bad week or they're just like really actually not happy with the 
choices they've made that gotten them to this point. One thing to to notice is notice what you notice about your body. So like if you're in a position where you feel miserable, you're having uh, panic attacks, the Sunday scaries are like really intense, you dread going to work every day, Uh, you can't stand your colleagues. Like there are a lot of a lot of flags. And if you listen to the physical flags, like sweaty palms, heart palpitations, headaches, that dread or that anxiety, chances are you're in the wrong spot. If you're operating in your zone of genius, and you're in that like state of flow, whatever that means to you, those physical things don't happen, right? It's when you're out of alignment that those physical signs happen. So if you're having those physical signs, I would say like those are the lights flashing saying, okay, you're out of alignment and you need to get curious. So I I love to tell people to start dating like they would if they were looking to fall in love. You need to start professionally dating. Who are the people that are doing things that you're excited about? When you see them, you're like, oh, what is it that they do? That's interesting. So start noticing what you notice about what you're curious about. Start talking to those people. I spent one year, Barbara, professionally dating, and I would talk to anybody who was willing to talk to me. And I learned so much about all these different opportunities. And I finally found the one that was meant to be. So I would say get really curious. If you're somebody that's not, you're stuck because you know you want something different, but you're not sure what, or you have five ideas and you don't know what to do with them, I would say instead of being paralyzed, start taking a step forward. So just try the next step and then the next step. And like we've talked about in the past, you can pivot. If you make a decision and then you get there and you're like, oh, well, that was dumb. Well, then just pivot and try the next idea. So allow yourself the grace and the freedom to kind of get comfortable exploring ideas. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because these past few months I've been prioritizing my health as I've recovered from a nasty case of long haul COVID. I love that it takes the mental work out of getting my vitamins and supplements in because with just one scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, and probiotics. It's been super simple to incorporate into my morning routine because there's virtually no prep required and it tastes great. Plus, it's way cheaper than a fancy coffee habit. If you want to give it a try, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The last thing I would say for people that are stuck, if you are so overwhelmed that you don't even have a free um, nugget of space in your brain, then you need to like create that space put your phone in a drawer and go play. For you, it would be like extreme skiing and climbing mountains. For me, it was like, there was a season like a year ago where I was like, Nick, I am so overwhelmed. And like, I just am in this season that tomorrow we're going to shake shit up and we're taking the kids to an amusement park and we're not looking at anything else. And so we changed our environment. We rode roller coasters, we ate funnel cakes and we laughed and we played. And there's something to dialing up your play that frees up space in your brain. It helps you get unstuck. You know, I'm in a season of transition today as we're recording this. And because I've had so much space and freedom, 
I literally can't turn my brain off. And it's so exciting and fun because there are all these like ideas and opportunities because I have space in my brain to think. That makes a lot of sense. I've always thought sometimes people are like, let's do a weekend trip. And you're like, it's like, we're going to get there Friday night. We're leaving Sunday afternoon. And then you go and you're like having a great time. And you're like, wow, this felt like five days because you're like out of your routine. You're not doing dishes or laundry or you're not stressed about work. And the days just feel longer. Yes. I mean, I remember a season years ago where Sundays it was like, I was just so wound tight. And I was like, okay, you have to go to the grocery store and meal prep. And then you have to do four loads of laundry. And then you have to clean your apartment. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't have a life. Like what was, I was so rigid on a Sunday. And then someone introduced Sunday fun days. And I was like, oh, do this. I can like go out. This is better. Yeah. Let's brunch. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people get caught up in positions because of money. They want to stay in a job because of the money and they might hate the job, but it pays really well. And I'm all about making money and, and saving for your future self. But I also think there's a lot to be said for being happy. And I am a big believer in that when you do what is right for you and your happy money will come, you need to prepare financially to leave the job, but I don't think you need to like be beholden. I don't like people who are beholden to just the income part. It's your your life's work, right? You're going to spend how many years working? It's a miserable way to wake up every Sunday and be like, oh my gosh, we have to do this again. Like that's a terrible way to live, I think. It's a terrible way to live. Something that I wrote about in Heart Boss is all around making decisions based on intrinsic motivators, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have the courage to make decisions from that intrinsic motivation, what I'm good at, what I'm what lights me up, what I'm passionate about, what matters most versus extrinsic the title and the salary, right? Or the opportunity to have stock or own whatever it is for you and your situation. Those extrinsic decisions, they almost always backfire. If there isn't that internal alignment, it doesn't matter how much money. You can always make more money. And if you're tied to that, it's never enough Yeah, is what I've seen. Those individuals that are tied to that, it's just never enough. You always have to have more and more and more and more. And so you're chasing this never ending. Yeah. It's a never ending race is the way I would look at it. Oh my gosh. I have some friends that are in that and they have enough, you know, stocks vested, but then they're given this next chunk. And so if you stay another year, then you're going to get this. Yeah. The golden handcuffs. Yeah. We're still doing this and you're still miserable. It, it gets you. It really can get you. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. The intrinsic versus the intrinsic. Yeah, for sure. So internal motivations versus external. What truly matters to you? What aligns with your core values? What are you passionate about versus status, prestige, you know, whatever the external things, because that will go away. We really can come and go. Like you could be working at the best company with the best job, with the best pay and they go out of business or they lay off or totally. there's no guarantees. Yeah. That's something I think that sometimes people get a little too caught up in, I I think, of what we see. But I do think it's important, like, if you do that, if that's a season of your life, like, I'm going to take the high-paying job, I'm going to save a lot, I'm not probably going to love it, but I'm going to do it for a couple of years because it's going to change my trajectory. And then once I have the number I need, I then go to what is next and right for me. Yes. And so... There's something that I say all the time, what you aren't changing, you're choosing. So if you know that you are choosing that job for X amount of years for this reason, I'm doing this for my family because of whatever. Okay, stay in the job that doesn't feel that great because you know the why behind it, right? It's all about knowing your why. But if you're just choosing something because you feel like that's what you should do, well, then we need to talk about it. So that idea of what you aren't changing, you're choosing, own your choices because you have the choice to change at any time. 
Let's talk a little bit about, these are like corporate people. We have definitely have a, a good slew of entrepreneurs that listen. And that's a whole different world of scary, yeah, I think, yeah. because like there's just so many unknowns with that and you're self-funding or you're like fundraising and have obligations to people. So that just feels also very scary with like pivoting because as an entrepreneur, this is, I think where the trick is, is like you always need to believe when other people don't, but like, how do you know when you should stop believing? Like when that reality is financially maybe not working or it's not working for you, right? Because you're supposed to be the optimist as the entrepreneur, like seeing something that other people can't see. I feel like as an entrepreneur, it can be a little harder to have those gut checks. Yeah. I think, my gosh, for for entrepreneurs, I mean, of course, it's scary as to be running a business. I think, yeah, backing yourselves like yourself, like you back others is, is crucial and trusting your intuition, right? So we all have this sense of inner knowing. And, and if we use that sense of inner knowing to guide us like a compass, it'll probably get us in the right direction. But also as an entrepreneur, understanding who you need in your corner to make your idea a success, I think is critical. For the entrepreneurs out there, if you haven't read the book, Who Not How?, by Dan Sullivan. Do you know this book? No. I'm like looking at my desk. I don't think I have it. It's all about surrounding yourselves with the who. And instead of me spending three months trying to figure out how to do something I am not qualified to do, find the who that can do it in three days and, and help me get further faster, right? So if you take on that mentality of who do I need in my corner, um, that can help bring your idea to life faster. I would say for sure, focus on that. In terms of like knowing when to jump ship, was that your question for other entrepreneurs? Yeah, kind of, or like pivot, right? Because it's, I think it's a little easier in a corporate, well, it's not easier. It's a different uh, set of circumstances, but in a corporate job, it's like, here's your role. They've defined it for you. If it doesn't fit you, yeah, that's usually not a fit. But with an entrepreneur, it's like, well, what path yeah. The roles are so fluid. Everything's so fluid. So fluid. And I think sometimes based on all of the entrepreneurs that I've coached in the past, I think oftentimes the reason they don't pivot sooner is out of fear of what people will think. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier. So you're afraid to pivot your offering or the direction you initially announced that your company was going. You're afraid because of what other people are going to think or say or do. And by doing that, you're stalling and you're probably losing money. The sooner you can pivot to that new direction that feels aligned and you have the data and you, you understand why it's going that way, the more successful you're going to be. So when we're slow to make decisions, uh, that can impact your bottom line in a really big way because of that fear can implode your business. But you already know that it's time to pivot and you just need to ditch the fear and go. That's great. No, you're completely right. It is hard in a business because you're ultimately making all the decisions, right? As if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, and it's easier to like ignore some things, even if it's like facing you. You have the ability to ignore a lot as a small business owner, I think. Oh, for sure. For sure. Surround yourself with truth tellers, right? And like identify your personal board of directors. So who will tell you the truth? Who can be that true accountability partner? Who's already been down that road and can help get you there? So I think it's just always surrounding yourself with the right people because it's lonely. Yeah, that, that is true. I think that was one of the hard things that I struggled with when I first left Wall Street. You're like around people all the time. There's like a softball team. There's happy hours. And I love people. Like every day you go into a building, there's yes. like 4,000 people. I was like, this is great. Um, and then I went into an office and it's me. And it's like, well, yeah. there's no people. So I do think, yeah. Right. There's no free food. No free food. 
zero free food. Yeah. Not even free coffee. No, you're right. Yes. And if you run out of filters, you need to get go buy them. You know, you're schlepping all the things. That was my big first splurge when I bought the Wealth Mansion business. Um, they had like a coffee pot like a very old coffee pot. So I was like, I'm going to buy a Keurig. And my dad was like, do you think you can afford that? And I was like, I hope so. I like hope I can afford the coffee. <laughs> Otherwise it's going to be real rough. <laughs> he was like, you know, brewing it's much cheaper. And I was like, I'm here like 14 hours a day. Just really want a Keurig cup. I just want to splurge on that one thing that's going to make the difference. Right. Which I actually think is a good lesson. Like know where to invest. What is it that will make you more successful? And that was the Keurig for you. For me, it was the Keurig. We didn't buy any new furniture. We didn't buy any new file cabinets. I worked with that printer that was on its last leg until it literally, I don't think it caught on fire, but it smelled like it was on fire. Like I waited (laughs) until that thing died. I was like, coffee. Coffee is going to be my friend. But yeah, I didn't buy anything. That was the splurge was the Keurig for like the first couple of years, the coffee. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For me, it was, um, there's a a cold pressed juice place around the corner from my house. And it was like, okay, just save the money for the week and then go get the $14 green juice. You know, that brings you so much delight. And it was like such a treat, but it made a difference in my week. Yeah, it made a huge difference. It's so nice to go to the grocery store and be like, I want green juice. And it actually Trader Joe's is like $6.99 for a whole bottle, like a week. Yeah. I do sometimes have that thought where like I get it and I'm like, it's so nice that in my head I'm not like, okay, how much money do I have left after this? Can I survive on what's left? Totally. No. So we're putting the juice back. So it's like so nice now because like it, as your life progresses, those splurges are have changed. And also to tie it back in, but like I saved a lot in the my early 20s. And so I had very few splurges. And then with the business, I bought that in my late 20s. So Keurig was it. That was a big purchase after the business was the Keurig machine. Yeah. I still have it. 10 years later, I still have a Keurig. But it's nice now that like, because I set everything up so well in the beginning that now that I'm in my thirties, I can buy the green juice. It's really nice. And not yes. like have guilt. Yeah. And not, although because I was raised like in my family, I think I will always have guilt for certain things because that's just like wired in my DNA. Like, Oh, do you really need a $14 juice? Like that seems pretty elaborate, you know, because of my parents, but I still do it anyway. Yeah, it's that's not that's the nice thing about I think getting to a certain stage of life or making different decisions along the way. A hundred percent. Yeah. One of the pros of being completely and utterly broke in your twenties is it makes your thirties way nicer, I think, and your forties. A hundred percent. And just wait until your forties. I'm telling you, this decade is so fun. I've heard it's great. It really is. And I've I've enjoyed every decade, although I think twenties are the hardest, I think just so. as a side. So if anyone here is listening and you're in your twenties and you're miserable, that's not abnormal whatsoever. There's too much change and transition yes. and stress, and you feel like you need to be at a certain spot in your life and you're probably not where you think you should be. And it's just a lot of pressure that you create in your brain. I hope that you'll listen to this and kind of shed the shoulds that you have in your brain. I think the twenties should be all about like your entire twenties, the entire decade should be all about like figuring it out and having no expectation of where you need to be. Because I would say to my boss, I had the same boss in corporate America. So at Bloomberg and Cruz, the same guy, he was like, you're going to, you're going to be fine. You're like two years in, you're doing wonderful. You're crushing it. And I'm like, no, I need to be here. And he's like, you will 100 
100% get there. You're going to be fine. And I'd be like, no, according to like every TV show, by the time I'm 25, I should like own an apartment, be married, have four kids and be a millionaire. And he's like, no, you're not. That's And wear the best outfits. And wear the best outfits. Yeah. You know, I think with your 20s, I have a friend right now who's in her 20s and she's, you know, had a couple years under her belt and, you know, she doesn't know what she wants to do because she's only had one experience. Yes. Right? Like when people are like, oh, what do you want to do? I'm like, what did you want to do when you were in your 20s? You didn't know what the heck you wanted to do. So that idea that you can explore and try different career paths on or different industries or different businesses, whatever that is, I think you're right. The 20s should just be about learning and absorbing and and trying new things. And I like your analogy of like dating professionally, like you should date the world and travel all the countries. You should date lots of people. You should date lots of professions and you should also date lots of friends. Yes. All of that. That needs to be a book because that's true. The travel, the friendships, the relationships, it's fun to date and the career dating. We need to do all of that. Yeah, because sometimes you like are with people as friends because they were proximity. Yeah. They're right here. Doesn't mean that's the right person to be in your circle of trust. Yeah, I love that. Well, Regan, this was so fun. I know it was. Thank you for hosting me. Any chance I get to talk to you is a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So no matter where you are in life, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, this is a great book. It's not going to take you a month to read it. Well, you, once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. There's a lot more great stories in there besides one week wash. So we will link your book because I think it's a great read for anyone needing some courage to make a pivot in their life. We'll link where everyone can find you. They should follow you on Instagram. We'll give everyone all the details. But Reagan, thank you so much for coming on. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us for our most up-to-date information on Instagram. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.